Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Happy Palm Sunday. The day that Jesus rode into town on a donkey. See, the reason why he chose a donkey, yes, to fulfill scripture. But whenever a nation lost a war, they would put their king on a donkey and sent him into the enemy's city to declare, you have won. Think about that. And here comes Jesus into town on a donkey to say to the world, you've won. You've beat me. You've defeated me. And they begin to celebrate him, Hosanna, but they're confused. See, because what they don't understand is that this king came to die so that you and I might live. And so the savior of the world, the savior of the universe, the only one that could do for us what he did for us, his name is Jesus, and he gave himself for us, every one of us. And he gives each of us the opportunity to say yes, and he gives each one of us the opportunity to say no. I said to one of my basketball buddies on Thursday, hey, why don't you come to church for Easter? Love for you to be my guest. And I, and I quote him, this is what he said. Well, I know a lot of the people that go there. How do you take that? Here's how I take it. He's afraid to come because people already know who he is. And I want you to hear me say this. With Jesus, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to cover up. You don't have to be something you're not. You say, what do I have to be? You have to be willing to accept what he's done for you. Amen? Amen. So what we're going to do today in Ezekiel 36, this is pretty cool. God is going to say to Israel, they're in Babylon, and he's going to say to them through the prophet Ezekiel, I'm getting ready to send you back to blessing, to hope, to peace, to salvation and redemption. I'm going to send you down the road of redemption. And what's beautiful about the story of Jesus, because we're going to parallel God sending a message to Ezekiel that Jerusalem is going to be redeemed and they're going to go down this road of redemption. What's beautiful about Jesus is this is what Jesus says to you today. I'm going to come find you. I'm going to come down the road of redemption and I'm going to come to you and I'm going to give myself to you, for you, 
on behalf of you so that you have hope forever and ever and ever. I want to invite you today to take your program, your Bible, or your internet device. And I want to welcome those other ones that are not in Cancun. I want to welcome you uh, and I want to invite you to join in in sharing the service today and being a virtual evangelist with us. How does Jesus traveling the road of redemption to us, how does it encourage us? How does it bring courage and strength and redemption into our lives? We begin today in Ezekiel 36.1, the restoration for Israel. And God says this, son of man, talking to Ezekiel, prophesy to Israel's mountains. And give them this message, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Your enemies have taunted you saying, aha, now the ancient heights belong to us. Therefore, son of man, give the mountains of Israel this message from the sovereign Lord. Your enemies have attacked you from all directions, making you the property of many nations and the object of much mocking and slander. Your life may feel like this to you from time to time. Therefore, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the sovereign Lord. He speaks to the hills and the mountains, ravines and valleys, and to the ruined wastes, long deserted cities that have been destroyed and mocked by the surrounding nations. You may feel like this in your own life today. This is what the sovereign Lord says. My jealous anger burns against these nations, Edom especially. Because they've shown utter contempt for me by gleefully taking my land for themselves as plunder. Not only do you maybe feel as though your life is going the wrong direction, but as it is going the wrong direction, someone is taking advantage of it, God is saying. Therefore prophesy to the hills and the mountains, the ravines and the valley of Israel. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am furious. I love that. It's one thing when you've had enough, but it's an entirely different thing when God has had enough of what the world has done to you. Amen? amen. Come on, amen. amen? And God is saying to us, I want you to know that I am furious with how the world has treated you. I'm furious that you have suffered shame before the surrounding nations. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I have taken a solemn oath that those nations will soon have their own shame to endure. So wherever in your life you have faced injustice, God encourages us, don't give up. I see it. Don't give out. Don't give in to the shame. Don't join the brokenness. Don't join the sinfulness. Verse 8, but the mountains of Israel will produce heavy crops of fruit for my people. They'll be coming home again soon. They'll be coming home again soon. Israel is going home again, back to its homeland. God was going to make everything right again. Look at Matthew chapter 21. The same is true when Jesus went home and rode into town on this donkey. Chapter 21, verse 1 of the book of Matthew says this. As Jesus and the disciples approached, Jesus sent two of them on ahead. 
I want you to go into the village there, he said. As soon as you enter, you'll see a donkey tied there with a colt beside it. Untie them, bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say, the Lord needs them. Now, I would love to have a moment like this. I would love to experience this. I would love to go ask a total stranger for their donkey and say, the Lord needs them. But I like the awkward moment, okay? This had to have been an awkward moment. I mean, get your hands off my donkey, right? But look at what Jesus says. He's going to immediately let you take them. Okay. So this took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, the people of Jerusalem, look, your, kingdom, your king is coming to you. He's humble. He's riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey. He's cold. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garment over the colt, and he sat on it. I want to stop here just a second. Going and asking someone for their donkey for a stranger to ride on is like taking one of these and inviting someone to join you for Easter. It's awkward. You don't know what they're going to say. But let me just go ahead and tell you, the worst thing they can say is no. Now, they may say other things depending on how well or don't, they don't know you, but I want to encourage you that there is a powerful moment in all of our lives when we discover God working through us, when we're willing to say, God, I want you to use my life in the network of relationships that I'm in, and I want to invite people to experience you through me. And so these two disciples, they do what God commands them. They go uh, and they say to this total stranger, hey, the Lord needs your donkey. Okay. So they brought the donkey and the colt and they threw garments over the colt and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And Jesus was in the center of the procession. The people all around him were shouting, praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. The crowd replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus, we see here, clears the temple. Look at verse 12. Jesus entered the temple. He began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. Now, why do you think he did this? Because he's wanting to get the attention of everybody that he's getting ready to do something that's going to get rid of all of this corruption, but not only the corruption, but he's going to fulfill this system of sacrifice. And he said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of what, John? What, John? Prayer. It's going to be a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple. And what did he do? He healed them. What did he do, Sam? He healed them, just like he what? Just like he healed you. Amen? Amen? Amen. So how does Jesus traveling the road of redemption to us encourage us? Number one, he's coming to town to save you. He's coming to town 
to save you. What I want you to do during this service today and what I want to encourage you to do this week, because I know some of you are really struggling in your walk with him. I want you this week to pray this prayer. Come get me, Jesus. Come get me. Come save me. Come save me in my suffering. Come save me in my darkness. Come save me in my confusion. Come save me in my questions. Come save me in my frustrations. Come save me in the injustices of my life. Come save me in all the things I don't understand about the story of my life. Some of the time, the reason why Jesus is not a part of our story, the hard parts, is because Jesus is a gentleman. And he will not go where he is not welcome. He will stand and he will knock. But he will not go where you don't welcome him to go. And so where in your life this week as we come into Holy Week and as, listen, there is no one who has suffered more unjustly than Jesus. I don't care how much you've suffered. There is no one who has suffered more unjust suffering than Jesus. And so what Holy Week is about is it's about inviting Jesus into the unjust suffering of your life. Inviting him into the suffering of your life and saying, Jesus, you understand. I believe that the most sacred thing about a human being is their suffering. Not giving trite answers, not ignoring it because you don't know what to do with it but actually entering into it. And Jesus wants you to invite him to enter into with him the suffering of his life and your life and to begin to have a conversation. Begin to understand that, see, Jesus stands triumphantly above suffering and he stands triumphantly above death. And he has a wisdom about your life that you do not have. You don't understand the pericope, the story of your existence. And so if you will say to God, God, I don't understand, but I invite you into this part of my story. Will you talk to me about it? Will you interact with me about it? He sees the suffering of your life and of this world, and he wants to redeem it. You, here's a question for you. Are you looking for Jesus, or have you lost hope? And if you've lost hope, then you've probably started, you ready? If you've lost hope, there's a real possibility that you've stopped looking for Jesus in your life and you've started accusing him of what's happened in your life. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. I can't make that choice for you, but I will tell you this. I have these moments in my life. 
I have these moments in my life where I'm trying to make sense of my existence and my story, and, and I'm looking at the suffering of my life, and I have to ask the question, am I going to invite Jesus into this? Because if I don't, I'm eventually going to start accusing him. Why? 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 So God speaks to this in Ezekiel 36.9. Look at what he says through the prophet. See, I love these words. I care about you. I will pay attention to you. Your ground will be plowed, your crops planted. I'm going to greatly increase the population of Israel. The ruined cities will be rebuilt and filled with people. I'm going to increase not only the people, but also your animals. Oh, mountains of Israel, I'll bring people to live on you once again. How many people, I'm just curious, how many people watched the Ten Commandments last night? Anybody? I mean, it's five and a half hours long. Come on. We've got to get in it to win it. You'll never again rob them of their children, he says. This is what the sovereign Lord says. The other nations taunt you, saying... Israel is a land that devours its own people and robs them of their children. But you'll never again devour your people or rob them of their children, says the sovereign Lord. I will not let you hear those other nations insult you. You'll no longer be mocked by them. You'll not be a land that causes its nations to fall, says the sovereign Lord. You know, sometimes in the prophetic realm, when I do what God has asked me to do, I have to listen to these demonic, satanic voices that just speak ridicule to me continually. And I feel the absolute shame of that, that I would be such an idiot to believe something God's told me to do and actually go do it and still see no proof of the outcome. Every one of us have to decide in our lives whether the loud voices of ridicule and accusation that try to shame us for our faith, we have to decide whether or not we think we can silence them or we're waiting on the Lord to silence them. The choice is yours. And the enemy will go, well, look what you did for God. Now look how your life is turning out here. Look at what's happening here. And to quote uh, a good friend of mine this week uh, who texted me and said to me, you know what, since I've come to Christ, my life is a lot harder. And I just want to say this because it's true. And I said, you know, that's evidence that what you're living is real because the enemy leaves you alone until you try to do something with your life. The enemy will leave you alone if you'll leave him alone. If you walk away from your faith, the enemy will leave you alone because you are a silent support to him. A silent Christian is a supporter of the devil. And he loves that. He loves that. And you have to decide whether what Christ did for you is worth your testimony, your willingness to speak, regardless of what it costs you. God sees your plight. He's restoring hope through caring for you. 
But the enemy's not going to give up. The enemy's not going to give up. He's going to continue to look for opportunities. In, in Matthew chapter 21, again, after Jesus declares he's going to do some miracles, look at Matthew 21, 15. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles. Wonderful miracles. And heard even the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. But the leaders were indignant. They asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied, haven't you ever read the scriptures? I love that. Why does Jesus have to say to his people, do you ever read the Bible I sent you? I mean, we're not like that. But anyway, for they say, this is what the scriptures teach. You've taught children and infants to give you praise. Wasn't that awesome to watch the kids today? Isn't that amazing? Listen, unless we worship like that as adults, as, as little children, right? We can't enter the kingdom. That's what God wants. God wants that innocence. God wants that you go, yeah, but it's naivete. Yes, yes, that's what faith is. Faith is a willingness to say, God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Ezekiel 36, 12. I will cause my people to walk on you once again. You'll be their territory. You'll never again rob them of their children. So how does Jesus travel the road to us to encourage us? Number two, he's going to restore our children to worship him. Amen? And so we say to the Lord today, if you, maybe you have children that need to be restored. Lord, I join you on that road. And Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. Whatever you want me to do to partner with you for my child to be redeemed and restored to worshiping you and believing in you, I'll do that. I'll do that. Matter of fact, I live for that. I exist for that. How about you? How about you? Has God called you to step into that in your own life or maybe to step into that with someone else? This is a beautiful promise of redemption. He traveled the road so our children could come back. Could come back. Could come back. Look at verse 16. Then this further message came to me from the Lord, son of man. When the people of Israel were living in their own land, they defiled it by the evil way they lived. To me, their conduct was as unclean as a woman's menstrual cloth. I read, the, <laughs> I read this to Journey Grace last night. And I was like, what do you think? She's like, glad you're preaching and not me. They polluted the land with murder and the worship of idols, so I poured out my fury on them. I scattered them to many lands to punish them for the evil way they had lived. But when they were scattered among the nations, they brought shame on my holy name. For the nations said, these are the people of the Lord, but he couldn't keep them safe in his own land. Then I was concerned for my holy name on which my people brought shame among the nations. Therefore, give the people of Israel this message from the Psalm Lord. I am bringing you back but not because you deserve it. Amen? Amen? I'm doing it to protect my holy name on which you brought shame while you were scattered among the nations. 
Now, I'm going to show how holy my great name is, the name on which you brought shame among the nations, when I reveal my holiness through you before their very eyes. Then the nations will know that I'm the Lord, for I will gather you up from all the nations, and I'm going to bring you home again to your land. Jesus didn't die to protect our holiness. He died to restore it. Amen? Amen. Jesus didn't die to protect our reputation of holiness. No. Jesus died to restore holiness to you. And if you accept Jesus as your Savior, the Bible says that holiness, righteousness, is imparted to you through the finished work of Christ on the cross. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now listen to Jesus' words on the cross. Luke 23, 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The soldiers grumbled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leader scoffed. He saved others. They said, let him save himself if he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. So how did he traveling this road bring encouragement to us? Number three, he loved us so much that he restored his holy name in us. He loves us so much that he restores. You go, yeah, but I don't feel holy. That's okay. Feel, holiness is not a feeling. You say, what is it? It's a decision to trust Jesus. And whenever you feel unholy, Maybe you need to confess something to God. That's fine. But once you've confessed it to God, it is important that you declare, God, through my acceptance of your personal, perfect sacrifice, I have been made holy in your sight through your finished work. Through your finished work. I love this parallel imagery in verse 25 of of this Old Testament sacrificial system of Christ's sacrifice for us. Look at what it says. Then I will sprinkle water on you. You'll be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you'll no longer worship idols. I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to put a new spirit in you. I'm going to take out your stony, stubborn heart. I'm going to give you a tender and responsive heart. I'm going to put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Sometimes my heart gets so hard. Sometimes my heart gets so hard toward the things of God while I carry out the duty of being in charge of the things of God. This is what Jesus did for us on the cross. He gave us a new heart. He sent his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. Look at this verse, Hebrews 10, 24. You've come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness. 
Acts 1.8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So how does Jesus traveling this road of redemption encourage us? Number four, he gives us a new heart and puts his spirit in us. He gives us a new heart that is a new soul. He purifies us. And puts his spirit in us. Look at verse 37. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm ready to hear Israel's prayers and decrease their numbers like a flock. Did you catch that? God is ready to hear your prayers. Are you telling them to him? Are you telling them to him? You go, well, I've told him to him and he didn't listen. No, he listened. Well, he didn't do what I wanted. Okay, do you think he has a bad reason for not doing what you wanted or a good reason? Uh Uh-oh, here we go. Is he a good, good father or is he not? Well, I don't know. I'm not sure yet. Well, you got to decide. You got to decide. You say, what have you decided? I've decided. I've decided he's a good, good father. I trust him. You say, does that scare you? To death. Do you know what God wants from you that is the hardest thing for you to give up? You go, yeah, my money. No, your control. But let me put it into more accurate analyses. Your perception of control. The most, the the rudest awakening of our lives is the perpetual reminder that we are not in control. But it is the greatest freedom if we choose to accept it. I'm ready to hear Israel's prayers. They'll be as numerous as the sacred flocks that fill Jerusalem streets at the time of her festivals. The ruined cities will be crowded with people once more. Everyone will know that I'm the Lord. And they're all saying, we're in Babylon in bondage. What in the world is going on? And God has said, I have a future for you. Do you want it? Do you want the future that God Almighty has for you? Or are you going to continue to look in that rearview mirror and blame him for how your life is now? Choice is yours. Choice is yours. At some point, you've got to look through that front windshield and say, I want the future that God Almighty has for my life. God makes a promise to his people in Ezekiel 36. I'm going to multiply, I'm going to bless you. See what he says in Acts 2.42. And after believer, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the sharing in meals, by the way, this is what we're doing this coming weekend, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had. They sold their property, possessions, shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy, generosity, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Amen? 
So how does him traveling this road bring encouragement to us? Number five, he promises to bless us and to multiply us. He promises to bless us and to multiply us. I don't know if you know this or not, but right here at Vanguard Central, in 2022, we had 24 people make a public profession of their faith in Jesus Christ and follow him in believer's baptism. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? You go, well, why isn't it more? Well, let me tell you something. There is a massive percentage of churches that did not see one. And the hardness that people have toward the gospel is greater than it's ever been. Brokenness is greater than it's ever been. See, what suffering does to people who don't receive Christ is the same thing that it does to you if you don't accept God's sovereign hand over your life. The longer that you hold what's happened in your life against God, the harder your heart is going to become. The same is true of an unbeliever. The longer that an unbeliever refuses to come to God and accept that the unjust suffering of their life is part of the story of their life, just as it was Jesus' life, their heart is going to continue to get harder and harder and harder and harder. Listen, we have opportunity this coming week to invite people who don't know Jesus, to invite them. You go, what if they say no? Okay, they said no. If I had a nickel for every time somebody told me no, I'd be a rich man, okay? But here's an opportunity, and all of us come to this moment. God's going to meet us this next week. He's going to meet us each day of this next week. And we're going to enter in together, Good Friday, Saturday. We're going to have fun. And by the way, if you want to pie me, be here on Saturday. Here's your chance, all right? And Sunday, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're going to invite people to give their life to Jesus Christ. We're going to look at Ezekiel 37. These dead bones are going to come to life. Amen? Amen. And I just encourage you, step up and say to the Lord, Lord, who do you want me to invite? What are their names? Write those names down. Invite them. Invite them. You go, yeah, but they live a thousand miles from here. That's okay. We've got technology. Invite them. Tell them what service you're going to be at and say, will you join me in this service? You can talk. Guess what? You have a little phone. You can text. Y'all can talk as the service is going on. The most important thing that happens at our church is what Jesus says. That's it. And God is speaking. God is speaking right now to each one of us. And he is speaking very different things to every one of us. And see, what's beautiful about this moment is we've all dedicated this moment to hear from God. Lord, speak. Your servants are listening. We're listening. Encourage our spirits. Give us courage, God. Give us strength. Give us 
the power to be your witnesses in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Lord, give us that grace. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there's nothing more powerful than a personal invite. It is one human being saying to another human being, like the woman at the well, come meet a man told me everything I ever done. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the Messiah? And Lord, what's so difficult about our lives, we who have given our lives to Christ, is none of us have perfect lives. None of us are without sorrow. None of us are without suffering. And Lord, forgive us that we forget to invite you into that because you understand it. And so we join you today on that road. Lead us through. Lead us through Holy Week. Lead us through the greatest week of suffering any human being has ever endured on this earth. And then introduce us to the resurrection power that triumphs over all our suffering. One day, we will rise up out of these graves and we will be transformed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye and we'll be just like you forever. And we will be rejoined with all those, that great cloud of witnesses that has gone before us. But until then, Lord, give us the breath to believe. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's children said, Come on, and all God's children said, amen. amen. Don't talk yourself out of the miraculous and wondrous things that God wants to do through you. And if you commit yourself to what God wants to do through you, you'll be amazed at what he does around you. God bless you. We love you. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.